today on our show. We're counting down the top 10 London films, aren't we, Governor? That's right, cunt. <laughs> Welcome to episode 392 of the Countdown Podcast. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. Now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast We count down movies and sometimes television in order of awesome, so you don't have to. Now, we don't normally open with the C word. I just want to be... <laughs> oh, yeah. I never do, Wayne, sometimes feels it the It does need. happen occasionally. We do have to warn, there is a language warning on this episode. There's a language warning on everyone. Sure. Because bad accents are about to ensue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are, just... We've been challenged over in the Facebook this community, links in the show, so if you want to get involved with the discussion oh, yes. about the show, to try and do as much of this show in an accent as possible. Oh, really? I didn't read that. I didn't get the brief. I'm sure it's true, Paul, but, you know. <laughs> John Huslander said he wanted us to do this podcast in our best British accents, which prompted a friend of the show, Smiley Samani, to say, do that shit and I will raise hell and break shit. So uh, if we can upset Smiley <laughs> and please, John, this appeals to me for some reason. Now, John, you understand British accent, very broad. You've got Cockney, you've got Oxford, you've got Kent, you've got all these different places, and all these white people sound different. Kent, Wayne. I think that was the word you were looking for yes, before. Kent. Kent. Yes. What yes. you call me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, and that's the thing. So, um, let's just see how we go, Paul. I can't yeah. promise anything. No, no, we're not going to do it the whole way through. Just whenever the no, inspiration just, just does yeah. strike us. Now, look, normally, we would now explain a little bit about our list, and we will do that, but at the same time as acknowledging there's no recount today. Last week was a top 10, last that's 10. Right. No vote around who had the better list because that's a whole different type of show. What we do have, however, is a big announcement at the end of the episode. That's right. So when we finish the top 10, we're going to drop a big bombshell on you. The patrons are already aware of this, but we're going to let the rest of the world know uh, about a big change coming to the show. And so... Stick around. If one of our choices pisses you off and, and you're the kind of person who'd stop at that point in time and says, fuck this podcast, I'm out for at least this week, if not forever, then <laughs> just, the end. just uh, hang around. Come back. At least fast forward through the last five, ten minutes of the show if you, if you can't bring yourself This is the best kind of like, if we're shit, just fast forward to the end. <laughs> Look, I think you know what you're getting after 392 of these episodes. And if you're new to the show, welcome. It's great to have you here. Like I said, it's a little bit different today's show, but we hope you'll get on board. London set films, the best top 10 London films. I'm just going to call it that, aren't we? London films, there yep. you go. Uh, any criteria, Wayne, by which you came at this list? I think the only thing we came up with was predominantly set in London. It can have yes. other things, but if it's like more than 50% set in London, then I, it's I have one possible exception. I didn't go and look at the time stamps. Nah, that's fine. But that's fine. the rest are absolutely, if not completely, then very much predominantly. There you go. And the other thing is for the regular since the show, we aren't excluding films from this list which has to do with the final announcement as well. So Usually we've we gotten have... to the habit last 10, 20 episodes of just going, ah, if we talk about that one too much, we, we won't yeah. talk about it today. Today, we're talking about it. Yep. Right. I so mean, some gotta... things I knew Paul will talk about, so I may have jumped away from them, but as a rule, it's still thing. Fine, still fine. So there we go. That's the parameters. That's the show. We hope you'll stay on board for this one. Let's get into it on the side of this music cue, the top 10 London films. London films is the subject of this week's countdown hip hip hooray huzzah <laughs> Paul's been trying to bring back huzzah, huzzah. for about 20 years yeah about 20 years I reckon this might be the day yeah let's see <laughs> <laughs> alright I'll lead us away this week with my number 10 and uh, 
I think Dan, when he was on recently guested on yes. episode from uh, the Netflix and Swill podcast, made mention of a quote which you've gone with Wayne before saying. You start big with a list. You come in hard with a number 10. Yeah. And then uh, make well, an impression. Well, slightly bigger than you would imagine. So, yeah, you want to do something. When I say this film, people might be like, what's it doing at number 10? It's so low down the list. Let me explain. Mm. My number 10 is Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. Yeah, I knew this would be on your list. Now, you consider this to be more worthy of a number 10 than this number 10? Or what are you trying to say? I'm saying that this would be way higher on my list if we were just talking about London set films full stop. Because they move away from London, sure, okay. halfway ish through the film. So, all but right, the iconic opening of our main character, played by Killian Murphy, is it Jim? Sure, it is Jim. There you go. Jim wakes up after an accident, and London is deserted. He's walking across the bridge, and you see some of these most famous London landmarks, like literally cleared and stopped traffic for this point in time to give it this completely otherworldly influence and and feeling. Now, this is your boy, Jack. Is this Zack Snyder? Or I think it's Danny else? Boyle. Danny Boyle. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Danny Boyle in 2002. Technically speaking, people refer to it as a zombie film. Technically, they're not dead. They're infected with a rage virus, so it's not quite that. Same diff. It's a great film, which through these opening scenes is just haunting. I think it's the best way to describe it, to see London in such a completely different light. And I'm not somebody who spent eons in London. I think my grand total is somewhere around 10 nights I've spent in London over two different trips. 10 nights more than me. And yeah, it's quite the place. It's an amazing city and there's so much to do and so much to see, but to so therefore see it in this light where there's no one around and no cars and you know the cathedral in the background and whatever. Would you amazing. say that people of your ilk, i.e. zombie fans. Of my ilk. Yes, like <laughs> those those people. Like, um, do, do they, on, on the list of zombie films, is this right up near the top? Yeah, uh, it is. And I think it's one of the films that brought back zombies into the cultural zeitgeist along with a Brian Keane novel, The Rising. And then after a couple of years after this, we got Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake. That's what I'm thinking of. So I think those three things together really cemented zombies as being a thing. And yeah. they've gone away a little bit in more recent times. God, I'm sick to death of fucking zombies. Look, I don't so you don't want to do a top ten zombie film next fuck week for Halloween. No. Fuck no. Oh, damn it. Um... <laughs> Back what the to fuck, the drawing man? board. It's so shit. Well, you know what? Walking Dead has been going on for eight years. Walking Dead is so shit. It, it, got, is shit, it huh? got so shit. It's been terrible. It's about to finish. It's got its last 12 episodes, I, I want to say. Or eight, no, literally, it, this is the end. Hey, but it's the end with qualifiers. But we're going to do future films. And these characters are going to spit off into their own shows. Like, get fucked. I won't be watching those shows. So that Fear the f- fear Your Mother Snatch, whatever it's called, yes. The Walking Dead, is that still on? Yes, that one's still on. So that's another offshoot. Yep. That dude is so fucking rich. Robert Kirkman, yeah. He is more... He's a billionaire. Well, you know man. he's so rich because he just suddenly stopped writing the comics about three years ago. He just went, boom, next episode's the last one ever. Bam! But fucking suck it. Don't care. Made all my money. Ah! Oh, no. Like Kevin Smith and him interview him all the time and he goes... And he always says, this is the richest man I've ever met and I will ever meet. And he's just like... It's like amazing for him to make that off zombies. But there you are, my man. Well this done, one, This one was written by, of course, Alex Garland as well, 28 Days Later. One of his first... Maybe even his first script which was made into a film. What else did he do so again? They did the beach. I can't remember if the beach there. came before or after this. And then he did Ex Machina. And oh, yes, yes, then he yes. did Annihilation. And more recently, he did Men. <laughs> <laughs> which is a joke which doesn't ever stop being funny. Yeah. Unfortunately, that film wasn't that great. Crap, was it? Yeah. yeah. Well, you're going to jump a shark at some stage. All right, nice one. 28 days later. Well, in the spirit of uh, making a bang with your number 10, my number 10 is Basic Instinct 2. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not <laughs> So like that Paul can't be face. true. <laughs> that didn't it didn't compute. It was that no, it foreign. wasn't because it actually is set in London. It is in London. It's a piece yeah. of shit with, um, uh, with the governor himself from The Walking Dead. There's your link. Dave, is it so? The dude, David. The David, whatever his what's name his is. What's his name? Is yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, my number ten is actually what a podcast. Why would you just do this? 
Uh, my number 10 is a film called About Time. Morrissey. David Morrissey? David Morrissey. There you go. Uh, about yes. Time, yes. I knew this would be on the list for sure. Yeah, because here's the thing, everyone. About Time is about time. Time? And <laughs> it's got Rachel uh, McAdams in it, Donald Gleeson, Bill Nye, and Richard Curtis is the director. And it is about Donald Gleeson, who at the age of 21 discovers he can travel in time. Just people, men in his family can travel in time. And it changes what happens as... Cue and, the Huey Lewis music. Yes. Back in time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he can do... And basically changes what happens in his own life. Now, he has his decision to make his world a better place by getting a girlfriend turns out to be not as easy as you might think because there's little rules like after a certain time, like once you have a kid, you can no longer go back in time past that phase because then when you move forward in time, the kid is different. It's a different whole kid. Because it's like, you know what I'm saying? Although if you hated, different your, if jizz, you hated different... your kid, yeah. what a concept. Exactly. <laughs> but most people don't do that, I'm told. Because <laughs> there's one thing where he comes back For the back record, in... love my daughter, would not change That's what I'm saying, you know. But like he, he comes back in time and there's a completely different child. And he goes, hello, different child. Then goes back to his dad and he says, and he goes, why didn't you tell me you can't go back in time once you have a kid? He goes, oh yeah, I forgot to say that. I'm like, what the fuck? That's important That's information. That's important piece of information. Exactly. Now, <laughs> now this is a, a city like London as its backdrop. London, in fact, and um, <laughs> top ten films set in, in places a city like, like London. London. Exactly. No, there's a great scene where the the meet cute in this is where they are actually oh in a God. in a restaurant which is completely black. Like there's no there's no light, nothing, and they just and it's just a, a dialogue scene. Really, really cool. This makes complete sense. Eat to my me. dicks. Now, <laughs> the thing about it is, this is one of the films where Paul, have you ever had a film that made you cry, like into a handkerchief, cry, like into a tissue, like. <laughs> That kind of shit, all right? That's what I happened here. I can confidently say <laughs> I've never cried. Like, how was it again? <laughs> so it's because it's about fathers and sons, and I got all kinds of issues with that. But at the end, the actual moment that they have is so touching. That's the first time I've happy slash traumatic slash something else cried. Yep. And it was heaving sobs. So this is always going to be that movie for me. Also, Rachel McAdams on purpose made up to look Homely. Homely, Paul. She's not homely. She looks homely as fuck in this film. I'm telling you. If you look at the poster, she looks great because she's laughing and everyone's happy when they're laughing and looks good. But in this film, she's got like dumpy, man. She's dumpy. She's made to look dumpy. It's London, man. It's cold. She's wearing lots of clothes. Okay, well, sure. Extra layers. No, no, trust me. If you look at her in this film, you're like, oh, you know, you wouldn't, you, you, you decide whether or not to hit that. You have to rather eat some piss. No, you definitely do that (laughs) rather than eating piss, but there you are. (laughs) Although in doing that, you might eat some piss. All right, so. Not Paul. <laughs> Actually, I haven't made Paul squirm in a while, so good stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, don't do that. You're a cunt. That's a sound drop that Paul does, which is the worst sound drop ever because he's a cunt. Okay. <laughs> if you're keeping count at home, that's two C words this episode. Yeah, uh, well. <laughs> okay, that's it. My number 10 was about time. If the snatch fits, says Wayne. Okay. <laughs> My number nine is a stone cold classic. Mm. As we uh, want to say, this one goes all the way back to 1981. Cracker, please. And it's directed by John Landis, mm-hmm. he who directed Blues Brothers, Animal House. Not that I've ever seen it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what else? Is, what else has he done? I'm thinking of Max Beverly, Landis. Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah. It's an American werewolf in London. Ah, marvelous night for a moon dance and all that. It is, and that was a whole motif of the film that they, mm. they deliberately picked all these. Um, moon songs to to oh, really? through the soundtrack. I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know the Van Morrison. Blue one. Moon as well. Now, uh, Paul, Bad Moon Rising. All right, et cetera, et cetera. So this one, uh, look, it has. I think to this day, you can we have people who support the Howling. We have people who support American Wolf London. One of the greatest 
transformation sequences in the history of film. I saw this when I was a child, Paul, because my this dad rented it on Betamax. the fuck out of you. The fact that the snout comes out of his mouth when he's changing mm-hmm. was the scariest shit I ever saw, and I ran out of the room. And now you know why I hate horror movies. Right. Was this, do you think this is the one that scarred you? It's up there. It's up there. I remember going, I, I just definitely do not enjoy watching this or experiencing this. Yeah, so well, probably it's uh, it's a horror comedy. I think for me, I think people who love this movie love the comedy side of it as well. What comedy? I mean, I left before anything could happen. So what was funny about? Well, they've got the two mates. So one mate gets killed when they're walking across the moor and gets you know torn to pieces, and then he gets bitten before being saved, and the the other person who bit him gets shot and turns out and there's a naked so, person lying there. There's a okay. woman, I think, from memory. Oh, okay. Can't remember if it's a guy or woman, to be honest. Anyway, long story short, he then starts to transform into werewolf, but he has visions because he ran away and left his mate to die before he sort of turns around and starts to run back. So his instinct was to save himself, and that's when he gets bitten when he goes back. He's seeing his his friend in a gradually decaying makeup, like the other great makeup part of this, yeah. and his mate's basically giving him subtle shit the whole time, like, you left me to die, and he's just you know, playing jokes, still the same banter back and forth. In so his when his mate died, did the werewolf woman kill him? Again, I want to be careful. I can't remember if it's a wolf. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, killed killed the mate. All right, fine. Okay. And, and so, then the and comedy. Then, so he wakes up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's their banter. It's their back oh, and okay, forth. Okay, it's, okay, it's okay. It's the rest of it. And then, so he goes in the hospital, meets a nurse. Nurse falls in love with him instantly. Really? And then when he eventually runs rampant through the streets of London, she's the one that's kind of like, oh, you know, trying to talk him down. And then they shoot him and kill him. And that's how it ends? That's how the film ends. Is he, because he's an evil werewolf, yeah? He just eats people? Well, he's not. I don't think it's evil. They kind of make werewolves out this film to be kind of they're, they're animals. When they go into animal mode, they're just animals. And he's an, an animal in the big city. And what do animals do? They fight or flight. So it tries to run, but then it will. When it's hungry, it, oh, okay. eat, it eats someone. So it's not malevolently trying to to take over the world or whatever mm. else. It's not. It's just trying to survive. Okay, I can see why this would be big in the eighties and so on, and even now. Obviously, it's stood the test of time. So American yes. Werewolf in London. Big shout out to Rick Baker who did all the special effects on this particular film. So yeah. There he is, my number nine. Nice. Okay. My number nine is a film that harkens back to my youth, back when I cared less about life, Paul. Mm. But I was having more fun because I had less uh, responsibility. That is the irony. Youth is wasted. On the young. Yes. Absolutely. Four weddings and a funeral. I did wonder if there would be another Richard Curtis film on your list, and that's two for you Dude. in two choices. I mean, we talked... Wait, look, okay, check it out, right? Here's what happened, everyone. When we were kids... Everyone goes through this period, I think, or most people go through this period where... Sweet surrender. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love know. that fucking song. <laughs> That's a good ass song. Wet, wet, wet. That's right. Um, <laughs> not making it better, though. <laughs> yes. There's a period... There's a period in your life where all of your friends are getting married, not to get too fucking, you know... Um, Whatever, some Aussie band on it. Skyhooks. Skyhooks, yeah. Uh, you, at this stage when this movie came out in 1994, all of our friends were getting married. We were going to a wedding every sort of I don't know few about months. That. I reckon. No, I, I remember going, man. No. Oh, bitch, you please. Are gradu- you are exaggerating by a long way. When? When uh, did everyone get married, Paul? I would, when did, when did, was it? Bill and Joe got married, or Reet and Neil? Bill and Joe got married. I was the best man. So yes. they were the first ones. It wasn't, they weren't 19. Is it Only 19. Okay, fine. Well, I think you're in the same period. How about that? All right? Anyway, this movie does reflect that because there's obviously four weddings and a funeral. Or as Al Bundy says, sounds like five are the same thing. <laughs> I remember that gag. It was pretty good. All right. So, and it's about floppy-haired Hugh Grant. And it was just, this is probably the first or when he was coming up to be his floppy-haired, foppish self. Foppishness, yes. You know? Yeah, it's about him, Andy McDowell. And, and the whole thing about the film. And now this is a big thing when we were kids, okay? Because Paul was anti, anti-marriage anti as a child. 
I was pro-marriage because I didn't know anything about women. Oh, irony. <laughs> I know, right? And now he's married and I'm alone. So... <laughs> <laughs> Not so, alone, yeah, okay, but uh, so and 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 the thing about the Hugh Grant character is he doesn't actually ever want to get married, and almost does on a couple of occasions, one or two occasions, and in the end, he just kind of comes to the conclusion. He says, "Andy McDowell, will you be with me if you promise to never, never, never get married?" And she says, "Yes." They even have a kid in the open closing credits, but the actual film itself, with the whole marriages having in you know, happening in Ireland and then all over the place, it is set mostly in London, though. Oh, I was about to say, hang on a second here. Whoa, mostly whoa, whoa, set whoa, in whoa, London, all over the place, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's right. I had twenty days later gone, and uh, it, it just uh, reminds me of that time and the actual the. the of the when we did go to actual uh, weddings and stuff, Paul, that flurry of activity and me remembering how familiar people become, and you become friends with the bride's parents, and you become friends with the whoever comes in, and you know, it was a whole thing, and it was the first time I remember just going, well, you know, it's just it's very fond to to think of that. I, I think the you're talking about sort of two thousand two thousand two era. You so you've conflated the two, but still, I, I have conflated what, the I two. What you're but I remember them both. I went to twelve, or was it fourteen? Can't remember, actually, no, I think it was fifteen weddings in one year. There you go, one year, and two of those occasions, two weddings were the same day, so we had to flip between two weddings. What? Mm-hmm. Were they far different, away? different friendship groups, obviously, but yeah, dude, that's fucking tiring, Cir- bro. Circa two thousand and two, I want to say. This is the thing about weddings, right? Like, it's a great day, but it is tiring, you know? Especially if you're, like, in the wedding party. married. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, if that's, at that stage, you're just sort of letting it happen, aren't you? <laughs> but, um, the, the, but, yeah, but I do enjoy the, the, the spectacle. The best person to be at a wedding is friend table number one. Because you haven't got any responsibilities. But you're close enough to the bride and groom and or groom or whatever that you can get rowdy and pissed you, off. You can make, yell out comments. Well, I don't do that, <laughs> but like some people do. But like I you're going to have either. a great time because you get to drink up with your friends, right? But at no time is someone pointing at you to do a speech or do true, it. true. I in think, fact, actually, I think groomsmen when you're not groomsmen, first in line, when yeah, you're not sorry, best man, that's groomsmen, good too. yeah, groomsmen might get a root, doesn't have to do a speech, doesn't have to. Well, I'm about to be a groomsman in in four weeks. I ain't getting a root. Really? No. Actually, I know the wedding, and no, you're not. So, <laughs> because I'm married. Oh, wife. sorry. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> Actually, it'll be nice to go to a wedding again after all these years, because God knows people. Well, the last one was mine. I think. Bro- yeah. So Paul's wedding is the last one, which is what a year ish. A year and a half ago. Year and a half. Yep. All right. Great wedding. I was his best man. Yes. Fantastic. Fa- fantastic. <laughs> you better say it's a bloody good wedding. It was yes. a, no, it was a great wedding. Look at like those little fucking like p- 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 pictures of him just lying out there. But like, save for that wedding. It's been what? Yeah. A decade? I'm sure that's a lot. Well, yeah. I was obviously very late to the piece to get married. Yeah. But like, it was nice. It was a good, fun thing and people get fucked up and it's all good. And so, yeah. It's, yeah. Very, it's a relatively rare event these days, that's for sure. Whereas at, at the peak period of 25, 26, 27. Yeah, people were still wide-eyed and they're like, this will be forever. I'm like, no, it won't. So it's like... <laughs> Oh, some of them are friends. Oh, some friends of them are still, still together. We yeah. were married early on. Yeah. Okay, so, but yeah. there. Okay. So. All right. Yeah, 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 there. Sorry. Bobby's in a fucking funeral. Uh, and a speech. No, and I'm moving on then to my number eight, which is a film we've done on the show. I liked it. I liked it more the first time I watched it. Didn't enjoy it quite as much on a rewatch. It was White Lands at my number eight, but I still did greatly enjoy it. It is a different side of London. It comes sort of more from the sort of youth gangy vibe. It's Attack the Block. Ah, yes. Joe Cornish's directorial debut and John Boyega's appearance for the first time ever as a character. This made him, yeah. Or as an actor, yeah. This one put him on on the radar and eventually he lines obviously up a pretty good gig through the Star Wars 
trilogy afterwards. So, yeah, just a really good, fun South London bunch of teens. Doesn't sound like fun. Who are basically near duels and criminals who eventually go up against an alien invasion, which happens in South London. I think I remember this being a good film for all of the things that it did. I remember going. I can't throw in with these bloody louts because they were. They were actually they were criminals and they weren't yeah. actually good guys to start with. No. And now it's like, okay, well the aliens trying to kill them. So I'm like, good, die. Well, it's got, but then <laughs> Well, we've got Jody Fos- Jody Whittaker, I should say, who is the sort of pro- pseudo protagonist of the film who's yes. she gets mugged by them early in the film and gets all that's the shit why I stolen. Didn't like it. Yeah. No, you're not meant to like them, but through the and that's probably the best part of this movie is through the course of the film, they start to stand up for the very people that they've been robbing and mugging and whatever in this yeah. South London kind of housing estate fighting back against the aliens. And to my surprise, a couple of the kids die. Oh, that's right. Paul's, that's what makes it good for Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it helps that they're playing for keeps. We don't just... Uh, this, yeah. These aliens, which are, have a really cool design where they're kind of like black furballs, but when they open their mouth, they're these... Um, glowing, glowing, blue, dripping, dripping teeth. Neon, yeah. yeah. So some great decisions they made in this movie, none more, none more so than the design of the aliens and because they were kind of menacing with some very cool shots from Joel Kern, Joel. Joe Cornish in his first film. Oh, is this Joe Cornish? Yeah. Huh. Actually, because I, I imagine it wasn't a huge budget, so making aliens that look like that is, is probably a bit cheaper. Short, it's to the point. It's like 90 minutes in, out, does what it needs to do in, a, in an entertaining fashion. Attack the Block is my number eight nice one. film set in London. Well, my number eight, with my number eight, I have a, I have a bit of a bone to pick, Paul. With everyone. All right, then. Well, let's see what this All right, goes, bastard. Eh? What's going yeah. on, then? Fuck yeah, now. Um, talk a it's... bit like this in the back of your nostrils, huh? <laughs> Paul pointed to his eyes there. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. It's goddamn Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay? Yeah. So what? Again, I, I see, knew this would be I've seen some people talking shit about this, Directed man. by Richard Curtis? No, Guy Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want to say that's the only film on this list, but it's not of his. No, okay. There's no way this is your last Guy Ritchie film. No way, right? But Sherlock Holmes is this and Game of Shadows is both the fucking tits, people. Mm. It's fantastic. I don't know why everyone has a problem with this. You got, you got like, okay, so it's set in London, yes. But set in yeah, London in back in the day. Hounds in the score. So now I've got some music to either open or close the show with. So yay. No, we're doing motherfucking, um, what was that shitty song that you sang before? Wet, wet, wet. Apparently how your mother snatches when Wayne's around. <laughs> Okay, not bad. Um, all right, so yes, Sherlock Holmes. The thing that's cool about this film, yes, Robert Downey Jr., yes, Jude Law, yes, it's Sherlock and Holmes and Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes and Watson, and it is one of my favorite films. I've I seen it many Lewis times. Film at all. Hey, <laughs> ask you. But why it was cool was all the guy richness of it. Adams again. Yes, looking far less homely. <laughs> In this film, and uh, the, but the, why? Why it was cool? Apart from the whole him inventing the Robert Downey Jr. talking about the first, you know, grab him, do this, punch him, yeah, that's blah, cool. blah, blah. and then it cool all element. excellent element. Which and I, I mean, I've heard that they're doing a third one, Paul. I've heard Guy Ritchie's not attached. I mean, I'm looking forward to the idea, but like, I, I don't, I don't, Your you know, enthusiasm is tempered. Well, it's not going to be because number two was almost as good as number one, probably almost better, almost. Mm. I don't know, man. I, I love this them. shit. I've watched both these films once. I barely, really? barely remember. Them. I've watched them so many times. So it was I so cool. I thought they were both three starish. Man, making Jude Law. Uh, maybe two and a half stars. Watson has a gun and he's fucking kind of a gangster, and they're both beaten. They're both pugilists, and he's like a Sherlock Holmes is like a is like a is like a scientist in this, but. A weird one, you know, and it's like kind of, he's obviously fucked up in the head, but that's fine, you know. It's not the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes. No, it's the sexy Robert Downey Jr. Holmes. So that's why it's the shit. Do I don't know, know why he would rather bone. That's fair. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He's getting one first. But 
Why does it feel He's got a bit of a funny face. He does. He does. He's got his cumber bitches, you know, like the his following. Oh yeah, uh, people, but love, people love the Cumberbatch. They do, they do. Uh, so yes, uh, no, that, that's what I got to say. Really, why do people hate it so much? Why do people give shit to people so much? Understand, it's a great goddamn film. No, there were some people who absolutely picked this in their top three in the feedback. Yeah, they which got finger banged by fucking David Powell. <laughs> <laughs> and I want that motherfucker's problem is <laughs> fine. Don't vote for me. Oh, fine. <laughs> a fate worse than a fate worse <laughs> than death. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Uh, okay, that was my number eight. All right. Over to my number seven then. This is one that's going to be on this way. I guess we'll see how high. This is an Edgar Wright film, which I wasn't as hot on as you were because I think it's the inferior Edgar Wright film, but it's one that takes place exclusively in London in two different timelines. I'm talking Last Night in Soho from last year. Lo. Yep. Absolutely. This is a fantastic film, Paulie. Tell us what it's about. Well, basically, this follows a young fashion designer who goes to whichever exclusive fashion school it is, and there she rents an apartment from a seemingly kindly old woman, and in the course of that, starts to flash back to sort of 1950s, 60s, 60s, 60s London, my apologies, and a young woman there who is murdered at the time, so like her ghost is kind of possessing her or giving her these visions so mm-hmm. that she can investigate and find out who murdered her and all the rest of that stuff. So it's visually very stylish. Beautiful. One of the most beautiful films I've seen. Edgar Wright is an auteur. This is the least Edgar Wright film of all Edgar Wright films, which I think is part of my problem with it. We didn't get the great editing sort of trickery that we get you in all these other films. So? Not by comparison. You know why? It's because the editing in this is so stylish. That dance on the dance floor where yes. he's swapping, that is a fucking tour de force of... No, that's a great... I don't know great, what he's done there. Great it's like sequence, where, but we don't get that editing is almost it's... To say it's carrying too much, but that style of the element, yeah, zooming back, we don't get any of that stuff. That comedic editing, which all of his other films, pretty yeah, much this are known is his, for. this is his like, um, you know, his I don't know, adult thing, but like, you know, <laughs> it's like Edgar Wright as an adult. No, it's his like if if yeah, it's his a simple plan. I think it's like it's it's his like more adult film. But I was blown away by the whole thing, even though there's horror elements in it. Yeah, it and skirts it's, with being a horror. Skirts with that psychological thriller slash horror slash. I fantasy. fantasy sort of yeah and I was very smitten with Thomas and McKenzie McKenzie mm-hmm. who I found out was a Kiwi and also and, get- whoa and you're still okay with her yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't worry Sam it's good um, <laughs> shout out to our one New Zealand listener <laughs> one, one New Zealand who is no longer a listener <laughs> exactly um, but get this Paul she dropped out of a movie to do this film and that movie was Top Gun Maverick who is she going to be in that? I guess, and this is why she did it. Oh, you think you saw the pilots? No. Sh- oh, I don't know. She wasn't going to be Jennifer Connelly. No, no, she would have been Jennifer Connelly's daughter. I Duff. reckon. Barely, I reckon. Barely in it. She'd have been. Yeah, this is definitely the call to make because yeah. she's a, she's the lead in this, and she would have been barely. But she's gorgeous, and uh, I have some intel about this. The shots of the deserted, empty central London flat, you know, that flash on screen, they were real. They were real because they were done during COVID. And they were, all the streets were empty, just you know, but like they didn't have to clear it because everyone just wasn't there. Because um, oh, it was shot. Okay, yep. yes. George Miller saw an early cut of this film, was so impressed by Anya Taylor Joy that he cast her for Furiosa. Furiosa filming right now. Mm-hmm. Stephen King had the opportunity to see it at an early advanced screening. He was so impressed that he said, "I." He tweeted, "I hardly ever rewatch films. There's so many good things out there, but this one is special." And so it's very, very cool. Um, I love it. Fair enough. I know you love this one a lot, and I think it was on your top ten last year. Yeah, and it's totally on my list as well. And yeah, we well, guess we'll see how high it goes. Over to you then for your number seven. All righty. My number seven is Kingsman, The Secret Service. 
Oh, it's on your list. Excellent. Everyone, The Kingsman, The Secret Service, which is a killer, killer film, is about a spy organization that recruits a promising street kid into the agency's training program while a global threat emerges from a twisted tech genius with an unexplainable lisp. Uh, (laughs) Now, the film, yeah, Matthew Vaughn, here we are. Colin Firth, Taron Egerton, Sam Jackson, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Sorry. Michael Um, Caine. Michael Caine. (laughs) What was cool about this film was that this came out in the middle of all the Conor- uh, the Daniel Craig Bonds, okay? And the Daniel Craig Bonds had set a very firm rule, which was working like gangbusters, which is, we don't do funny, you know, nod and wink to the camera type James Bond movies anymore. Cheesy ridiculousness exactly. is gone. It's all real. There are hardly any gadgets. He's tough. He can fuck you up. Doesn't even bang that many women um, as a rule. <laughs> all right? So it's all like, this is the new, like, not woke, but tough Bond. And then right in the middle of that period, they drop Kingsman the Secret Service, which is... Very like totally oh, piss, it, taking it's the piss a, out of it. It's a parody, totally parody. And they even say in like Carl first talking with Sam Jackson is like, "You like spy films? Well, they're all a bit serious for me now these days, you know, kind of thing." It's like, "Oh, okay, they're doing that." But the film itself took so many. Everything worked in this no, film. Not the lisp. Okay, yeah, you're right. The lisp. I remember looking at Sam Jackson going, "Why are you doing that, Sam?" I think, I think our very first ever episode of this show was reviewing this and doing the top ten spy films. Yeah, it was. Back almost eight years ago. That's right. And we both said the same thing. Everything, which is ironic because just about 90% of the time, nothing of this film works, or if it does, it's Samuel L. Jackson. The ir- ironic thing is in this film, for me, Samuel L. Jackson's the weakest link by a long shot. Man, it made me go look it up. And so Sam Jackson apparently had a lisp early on in his career, and he actually had to get over it. So I don't know why exactly he chose to make that mm. a feature of this, but it didn't work in my opinion. It's the only thing that didn't work. The other things about the film, all the action is framed centrally. If you look at the viewer's eyes, never need to leave the center of the frame. That's a thing that Matthew Vaughan did. Mm. Right? So Aaron Taylor Johnson was offered the role of Eggsy, but he declined. Right? Okay, right. Later he was in The King's Man, though. He um, was. He yeah. was, yeah, okay. The, there's a scene where everyone gets flooded underwater. That, yep. oh, people almost died in that scene because yeah, someone fucked it up. Yes. Um, but if, what I wanted to ask you, Paul, was do you remember the end scene of this film? Because what happens is... Yeah, it involves, it's controversial. It is controversial. Now, it, it involves the assertion that Eggsy is about to ask Slam the princess because she says, if you save the world, you can fuck me in the ass, basically, right? Yes. Then the actual final scene... Get me scene, out of here, you can have me. If you save the world, you can have my... You can, you can, you can do mm-hmm. me in the date, right? So <laughs> he goes, I'll be right back. <laughs> you know, right? It's a really funny moment in the scene, in the, in the show. But, it's a date. Yes, it is. Well, <laughs> that was right. <laughs> Now, at the end of the very last shot of the thing is pretty much Mark Strong is looking through the viewfinder and he sees that Eggsy's made it into her cell or whatever. And basically she turns around and you see her ass. The implication being he's about to power slam her in the ass. People are very unhappy with this. Now, Uncouth, I... ludicrous, ridiculous. Why would you need to show that? This film was so good until then. How dare you cancel this film? That's what happened. I personally laughed my ass off. Big surprise, everyone. We have a mate called Gabe who is the ass-pounding king of fucking the world, okay? <laughs> His whole thing is about pounding ass, all right? <laughs> Women's asses. With with permission, I should mention, right? Yes. Yes. Be but, very clear. Yes, very clear. By invitation only. Yes, but he's he like he's that's like that's like a, some people run, that's what he does. All right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I wonder if he's listening. We haven't seen him in a few years. Anyway. Hope you're um, well, Gabe. I'll be well, mate. I like I said, I thought it was hilarious, but my girlfriend at the time said as the as the curtains went up or whatever, the lights went up, she looked at me and she went. That ruined the whole movie. That last wow. shot. I was like, no, really? And almost every girl I talked to said something similar. So it's a kind of, this is Matthew Vaughn for you, all right? He will go and do the absolute, yeah, fuck it. I'm making that joke. I'm going to do it. I don't care. 
And maybe that gives him an edge as a cinematographer. Or what? I'm not sure. Cinematographer, you mean as a well, filmmaker? A filmmaker, yeah. But who knows? But um, yeah, I, 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 apart from Samuel Jackson, everything else worked in this. All right, there you go. Kingsman, you've spoken about it so eloquently and for so long, Wayne. Sorry. But I don't need <laughs> to say too much more other than I think I have an attachment to it because it was the first episode of the show. But I think this film's action sequences are fucking spectacular. That whole sequence with Harry in the church. Oh, dude. To Freebird. That will. Ne- that is the shit. And then even like scenes where like Eggsy is jump- running down like a corridor and he's jumping over people to shoot other people. And they're doing that in slow motion. This is why Matthew Vaughn is the shit, bro. Well, he's not quite as much of the shit now after the last two Kingsman what films. Ah, as he was after yeah, this, this one. Is, this is the thing about right. But this is not the only time you hear Matthew Vaughn on this list. Oh, mine neither. Yeah, okay. Mine neither. But yeah, yeah, the other two did suck, unfortunately. I didn't mind the third one, especially the last half an hour of it. It kind of redeemed it for me. Yeah, but the second one, the second one, the robot dog, so average. What the fuck? Yeah, it's such a. It was. Down. It still looked good, but it was. Ugh. So anyway. All right, then. That's your number seven. My number six. Is that right? Yeah. My number six is the first of my Guy Ritchie entries. It's lock, stock, two fucking smoking barrels, eh? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and good call. Good call. If it weren't for my Sherlock Holmes entry, this would be on my list. So this too. one not on your list? Not on my <sighs> list. Even those stings in it, Paul. <gasps> How dare you leave off the sting? I know, right? Wow. Okay, yeah. Lock, stock, two smoking barrels is Guy Ritchie's first film. It put him on the map in 1998. I remember going to see this film at the cinema. I remember us and our friends walking out going, holy fucking shit, that was awesome. We expected nothing, dude, because we never uh, heard of anyone a, in here. This was a, a, and Sting. I think the, the credits were and Sting. Yeah, it? and so that's why we were. That's why Jason I went. Jason Statham, I think in the first time I've ever seen Didn't him. Didn't know him. And the, the, the irony, of course, of this film is that the star of the Nick film, Moran. Nick Moran, disappeared he into disappeared. the ether. But, you know, Jason Fleming... Stack the shit. Dexter Fletcher is now directing musical. Biopics. He was a star before. Dexter Fletcher was a star before. But oh, was he? Well, I've seen him in like the Rachel Papers and people like TV movies. I don't know what the Rachel Papers is. Yeah, it's okay. like this sort of porny kind of TV show. Um, and then of course Vinnie Jones. I think this might have been Vinnie Jones's acting debut. And if not, yes, it was yes, because he's a soccer he was player. Big, yeah, coming off his soccer career, he was a known hard man. So like, well, let's just put a known hard man who has a couple of acting lessons in as a known hard man in films. Brilliant. Yeah, good call. I think why this worked, especially while, again, this is the first time you'd seen any Guy Ritchie stuff. And the things that he was doing, like locking a camera onto yeah, Nick onto Moran as he walks around. And we're like, as he's we, drunk. And we yeah. hadn't seen that no. before. And even the, the, the sound of like, you know, when the, the real gangsters walk into the frame, and then the other guys walking, like this kind of shit really worked. The music cues. Music the, cues. The fast editing. You know, which you get a lot more of in another Guy Ritchie film, which is going to come up. Oh, it's coming up, bro. It's coming up. It's all there, sort of his, his the way he sort of introduces things. This is just a lighter film for me, which has that's right. It's it's comedy primarily. Yes, with action crime film or well, crime film, not really action with a couple of shootouts, but it's largely a comedy crime film, and it works. It just reinvented a genre and re kind of a little bit like Pulp Fiction a few years before. It, this is much it reset the sort of dial for what you can do with a low budget and still come across as. Look, um, yes. What's the word looking for here? Um, competent and impressive. And I don't know how old, how old Guy Ritchie was in 19, 1998, but I think he's only five or six years old and we are. So he made this as like a mid-twenties dude. This is that guy. This is that guy who's got a vision and can make it work and he's clearly a born filmmaker. And then he goes on to make like the every three movies is a 
piece of shit. All right, for some reason, but that's his want. Well, it's higher than that because you still stand by behind King Arthur as a good film. That film fucking blows. It's what it is. It's fine by comparison. <laughs> what we then have is that piece of shit Jason Statham one he did called Wrath of Man. Piece of no, shit. I disagree. I'd rather watch Wrath of Man anytime. I than would King literally Arthur. wipe my anus with that film, <laughs> and no one would notice. So yes, I. I you know what? I hear that uh, Sting is only in it because Trudy Styler, his wife, was on the production uh, crew or okay. something. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah but that's sense. that's that's bottle rocket syndrome. But, you have all but, these people who are unknown, and then you put James Caan in. Yeah, well, that's. That's life. I uh, know no, it's a great idea. You know, Put a star in. You know someone. You get by in life by on what on who you know, not just what you know. And Sting was awesome, by the way, in that. Did a good job. Yeah, as his dad. Yeah. All right, then. So that's my number six. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Nice one. My number six is an is a story that I've always liked, and it's an odd mo- movie that was directed by an American guy, but it's a very British looking show. It's called About a Boy. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, this is on my honorable mentions. Did oh not really? Think it would uh, make your list at all? I, I don't no think idea. you'd even see it. Yeah, I watched this on a plane and was really moved. By it's it. really moving, right now. So this is Hugh Grant, everyone. He's a cynical, immature young man. Um, well, youngish man, thirty-eight something, maybe. He's a slacker who's lived comfortably off the royalties of a song written by his deceased father. As such, he has never had to work a day in his life, uh, which is like good for you, but can't. Uh, and so <laughs> he's a three times. Three times he's a solitary man who places himself as first and only the only priority in life. He's a selfish piece of selfish shit. Selfish piece of shit. Uh, and he comes across the idea that dating single mums meets his needs more than like actually working to find a long term relationship because they've got responsibilities and they don't need to be too involved with him and they don't ask too much of him. Jesus Christ. Shut up, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna say, motherfucker! <laughs> Suddenly, where this appears <laughs> on Wade's list you makes all the off. sense in the world. <laughs> I've been thinking. Shut up. Anyway, he meets Marcus, which is played by a young Nicholas Holt, mm. who's a lovely boy who lives and takes care of his depressed single mother, Tony Collette. And basically, the young boy, his name's Marcus, he, he inf- infiltrates Will's life, much to his chagrin, but they slowly sort of form a bond and yep. he starts actually showing things. Now, this is the only Hugh Grant, foppish Hugh Grant movie, where he's not really foppish at all. He's actually a bit of a, he's got, a, he's got an edge on him, he's funny, he's... He's in the transition from foppish Hugh Grant to old dude who's now looks a bit funny, Hugh Grant. Yeah, but, but you understand that, like, um, because of the way he is and the way he plays it, right, because he's, like, sort of a richish bachelor guy or whatever, he, he, you know, he buggers around and he doesn't do anything, and he, and he, and he, but you, 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 you believe it, and it's based on a Nick Hornby book. Um, Thank you, I was about to say. Yeah, so now this is why, and then that itself makes it, like, a cool-ass film, and the way that it ends is actually, it's great all the way through, and you could tell Nicholas Holt is this really charismatic young kid who turned out to be an old charismatic, old older charismatic actor now funnily in two i know right and this get this get this this was going to be played his role was going to be played by brad pitt but brad pitt said correctly that i'm so attractive i wouldn't have to try and just date single mothers (laughs) by thinking that i'm a divorced father and it's just implausible but also the guys who made this film they made American Pie. The American Pie. The guy Chris Weitzman wrote Rogue One. Yeah. So they've got all this like, and apparently he the reason some and people, a bunch of Twilight films. We won't hold that against. Them. I know, but someone said to him like, "How could an American make such a British movie?" Apparently, he studied in Cambridge, Oxford, or something. So he's like uh, quite well, you know, dirt in there. Also, this was about to be pitched to relocate it into the USA with George Clooney as the lead. But they, they I thought think they might have made a TV series out of this, like circa 2014. Really? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, because High Fidelity, the John Cusack movie, they did, in fact, do that. 
uh, where they moved it to the US yeah, and made and, it you and know. made it to Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The TV show was Zoe Kravitz. So yeah, yep, yep. Uh, that's it. So yeah, About a Boy is actually an old favorite of mine. Really dig it. Yeah, and I've confirmed it was based on the Nick Hornby novel and the 2002 theatrical film. It only lasted a season, starred everyone's favorite people, none of whom you've heard. Oh, Minnie Driver was in it. <laughs> Guess the mum. I think I know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Two seasons, 33 episodes, six were unaired, so they cancelled it uh, at, in a rush at some particular point. My number five, then, is my Matthew Vaughan first entry on my list. What could it be? It stars a soon-to-be James Bond, and it's about the drug trade in London. Low. And it's layer cake. Low. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson's son is low as shit. All right. Um, yes, please tell us about Leo Kick. Yes, he plays a. Uh, basically, he has to outwit and out. I don't know. Think. He's a co- he's a mid-level cocaine dealer. Yeah, this and he Craig gets himself it. into some shit and has to uh, basically go up against the old regime in order to survive. Once things go south in terms of a drug deal which has gone awry, and surprisingly enough, you throw in with him because Daniel Craig is very charismatic, and it's a fourth wall breaking film, talking to the camera, and it works. Like fucking shit. But in the most stylish and wickedest manner possible. Because it all starts with a voiceover by Daniel Craig talking about how cocaine will eventually be, or you know, like a fucking designer drug and he puts like Michael Kors and all this sort of shit. Like it's really the visuals are so slick, is what I would say. And the cast is fucking stacked. It's insane. So Sienna Miller, who's never been hotter than this movie. This is this is absolutely where I was like, who the fuck is that girl? Tom Hardy? Yep. Cole Meany? Mm-hmm. Sally Hawkins, who would go on to win the Academy Award for... Did she win the Academy Award? I think for um, Which one's Shape of Water. Oh, oh yeah. If she didn't win it, she was certainly nominated. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kenneth Cranham, or Cranham, Michael Gambon, Ben Wishaw. This fucking past... Dexter Flesher again. There you are. Just for the shits and giggles. But basically, yeah. Uh, this film is clever enough that I didn't pick up on a critical piece. It's 2004, so if you haven't seen this film in, in 18 years, you don't give a fuck. I'm about to spoil it. No, don't spoil it. I'm Just say it. something happens at the end. Just say Things something happen at the end which will blow your mind. You'll be like, damn, that's clever as shit. Well, even in the book, because I think you can spoil this, the lead character doesn't have a name. No, that was my fucking thing. I thought you were going to talk about the other thing. You're an asshole. All right, you know what? Let's just go back. <laughs> No, staying in there. Fine, the lead character doesn't have a name, right? We say that, but yeah, like he—that's the clever part. It is a clever thing. In the book, he's actually referred to as just XXXX, right? And so that's why it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I had some intel on this and one, you, and you look at the write-up, and it says the same thing: when a seemingly straightforward drug deal goes awry, Quadruple X has to break his diehard rules and turn up the heat, not only to outwit the old regime and come out on top, but to save his own skin. There you go. So it's not really a spoiler, but well, um, it is because it is. I watched this film without knowing that and just put it on and watched it. Well, hang on. Up, he didn't have a fucking name. That's right. And he even mentions it at the end as he talks to you. So um, Otherwise, you'd know my name. <laughs> exactly. The F word and its derivatives are said 210 times throughout this movie. So Which is, if you translated one F for, C, for five Cs, then Wayne, this feels like that's about right. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's no King... Uh, was it Wall Street, whatever movie? But um, Wasn't it Eddie Murphy? Didn't he have the record? No, it's um, Wolf of Wall Street has like... Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, but that's just 197,000 minutes long. Yeah, true. That's true. Whereas yeah, this film point. is is 105. I reckon... Pound for pound, this would win. Oh, yeah. Okay. Pound for dollar. Pound for dollar, yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, in the penultimate scene, the lead character and his fellow drug dealers are eating a layer cake. Little thing there that they do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in the original ending, which we won't mention the one on this one, but Matthew Vaughn wanted to use, um, shows, shows Daniel Craig driving off into the sunset with his new girlfriend. Vaughn secretly recorded the alternate ending that we see in the show. And he 
ended up using it based on the popular vote saying that it just wasn't like under other American movie endings. Like he did a test screening of it and everyone went, <gasps> and he liked that reaction better. So he was initially going to go with Good the answer one. Yeah. A man who sticks to his art more than just want to satisfy an audience. So, And that's why you get ass fucking at the end of a film. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe his audience is Wayne. <laughs> or Gabe. Gabe, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. My number five, everyone. Is that right? Yep. Is a fish called Wanda, and is my favorite one of my favorite as films. Was going to be on your list, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So John Cleese, everyone, and uh, Kevin uh, Klein, and it's <laughs> about sorry, <laughs> and it's got Michael Palin and a lot of Monty Python motherfuckers in here. Okay, and it's it's a it's a kind of a it follows a group of jewel thieves and con artists as they double cross each other in London. Naturally, antics ensue. Did you say Jamie Lee Curtis. And oh, sorry, Jamie Lee Curtis. Thank the, you. The second American <laughs> in the film, Wanda. Wanda. Right. Actually, no, the fish is Wanda. Oh, you're right. That's okay. Fish go Wanda. That's right. Uh, now, this is, uh, I think Kevin Klein won an Oscar for this performance. And what yeah. was weird about it was that Kevin Klein plays this, we're not quite sure of his shady past, but he's sort of, he's basically, uh, he reckons he used to be in the CIA or something. He always, he wore the best shit. He had these <laughs> long, long jackets. Wicked Number caps, five on Wayne's list. And he always had this like gun with the silencer on it. And he was like his his um what is it called? Not what is it called when you're a masochist? Is it masochist? If you're if you're basically you you're quite happy to hurt and kill people. Saddest. Saddest. Um masochist is when you're happy to do it on yourself, isn't that right? When you're happy to happy be hurt. Upon you. Derive okay. pleasure from pain. Got it. No. So his sadistic thing somehow got everyone's attention. They were like, it's really funny that he's such a sadist, which is weird, okay? 80s. 80s, exactly. You could do anything you wanted back then. Um, it's funny little scenes like him going through the airport and he just throws the gun outside the, the metal detector <laughs> and catches it on the other side and just walks through. Things that don't fly. Things that don't happen. Post-2001. Exactly. And um, the whole movie itself is probably pure class. Michael Palin does this thing where he's got a, a stutter and you'd think it would be horrible and, and sort of annoying, but it does actually work as a comedic piece. So the whole movie itself is just legendary. Which is very well acted then. Because if that doesn't annoy you, it's not oh, it doesn't come tough. across as ridiculously fake. Absolutely yeah. not. And the they did a follow-up called Fierce Creatures. Which was not so good. It was it wasn't so good, but I really liked it. No one else liked it. It was set in America. It wasn't a, they said it wasn't a sequel, it was an equal. Which it was not. So <laughs> there you are. Uh, but yes, nice Fish Called Wonder, my number five. Department. All right, nice. My number four is a film which won't be on the list. It's my, well, no, I guess there's another horror. My third horror, arguably fourth, if you want to call Attack the Block. So maybe fifth, if you want to talk about Last Night Soho as a horror. It is the best of them all. It's The Conjuring 2. Was that in London? The Conjuring 2 is not as good a film as 28 Days Later, let me clarify. But yes, it was set in Enfield in London. Now, um, remind me, because I saw both of these bastards at your... This is the one where they fly over to the UK and they're dealing with the go- the crooked man. And that's right. It's the one the, with the nun painting. The, the nun painting. But that, that's what happens in America, to be fair. Oh, okay. Before they fly over, but that it, in their house. But once they're there in Enfield and he they do that great sort of shadow sequence of the interview yep. where he's channeling the crooked man yeah. or the, the entity in the, in the house. Good, good shit. This really was this a, like, film was scary. I it was and for Paul to say that big, big, huge props, everyone. Um, this is I put this in the this and the first one in the in the annals of um, Horror great film. Can... Can't ever watch it again. No, no, I Glad I did. But I'm really pleased that this show got you to watch that film. And I think you watched the original, and it part one would fall into that category as well. And there's a couple other horror films over yeah. the years where you've gone. Really good film. Yeah, smattering. Again. Maybe Hereditary. In, Hereditary is, yeah. again, that's the biggest, that's on top of that. I can't watch it ever again. Yeah. 
But I'm glad I now know that it exists. But this one, I'm going to give a shout out to. I think it was David Powell who, who reminded me this one was set in London. So ah. shout out to him, sir, for, for that. And yeah, I had to. It's not as iconic London as some of the other scenes. They have lots of big shots, which is why you don't remember it was set in London. Yeah. But it very much is. And. Mm. It's a great film, so hence it makes my list. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, well, my number four was Last Night in Soho, Meet. Ooh, four. Number four, son. So back to you. Okay, well, I'm about to also steal. So I know, therefore, at least two of your top three. Uh, I think we're about to know your other one. That uh, makes sense. My number three is Snatch. That's my number three, too. Hey, Let's talk about Snatch, mate. Snatch, Guy Ritchie's second <laughs> the film. movie. And <laughs> from 2000, which kind of blows my mind, this is my favorite Guy Ritchie movie. Because it's the best Guy Ritchie movie, Paul. It's hard to argue, right? Well, here's the thing, right? When you watch Snatch, like, I mean, first of all, it's about this, you know, Jason Statham is a boxing promoter in London, and his whole business is basically doing boxing fights and doing that sort of shit. It is about the London sort of gangster underworld. It has the whole pikey element of, and putting Brad Pitt in there, casting him as a as a pikey, and he's doing that unintelligible speech, and there's even, <laughs> you know, subtitles on the DVD release or whatever. Dag. Yeah, exactly. Madag! Madag! Yeah, exactly. What the fuck are you saying? There? All that shit. Dag! Do you it's understand one fucking word he's saying? So it's, that was, and I didn't know what a gypsy was or what a pikey was because we don't live there. No, we don't. But the whole thing of Brad Pitt doing that, and I remember Guy Ritchie saying that, you know, he only had some small amount of days on set because it was amazing they got him in the first place. Made the whole thing, man. Him being, Brad Pitt being in this film, being as un-Brad Pitty as possible, is just insane. Like it is, it, it is. But I think you're, you're talking around what makes this film great, and that is it's the same film. It's the same style of film. It's got the same style of filmmaking. It's got the same basic premise of a bunch of characters colliding over a bunch of coincidences and happenstances yep, and yep. whatever else. But it expands it from being just British and localised to London because that's all he could do in night. Only two years later, he gets in the likes of, as you say, Brad Pitt, Benicio Del Toro. Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina and... Puts them on basically the same other cast. And uh, what's his name from uh, Fear the Walking, uh, the Walking Dead? Sorry. Lenny James is my introduction to him as an actor as well. Oh, yeah. Alan Ford is Bricktop. That I don't know Alan Ford, but he was amazing. Terrifying, this movie. Oh, God. He was bloody like just. I'll put you in the fucking ground. Yeah, he's just chilling. You're like, yeah, I that believe that he would gank you up. You absolutely. Give us so a believable. Shooter. Yeah. yeah. Fucking put you out there. And the pigs will finish you off. Yeah. Like a shithead through cutting. <laughs> it was like, but like, peace out through cutting. But the, the, the thing that, that, like you said, I remember the editing so fondly. Now, now we get that, like, you know, that desert eagle. That, that's one bit, right? Yeah. But even the very beginning, the way this thing opens, it opens kind of boring because you see these monitors, you see these guys walking to a jewelry store, like a Hasidic yeah, jewelry store. Ding, and ding, 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 ding. Yeah, it's over the Greek playing. Yep. And then that, and he just he jump cut zooms and loses yep. frames, and all these things yep. happen. Guns get pulled out, and I'm like, "What is so just happened? Stylish. It is like pure like style, pure mm-hmm. like just talent, really, for him to actually conceive of that scene and then do it." And then I remember like watching this with my sister one time, and as the movie ended with a cut, 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 with you know the back of the plane, mm-hmm. the passport stamps, blah, 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 and then it just ends. And my sister just turns to me, and she's young; she's like 13, 14 at the time. She goes, "That is such a good movie." And I'm like, yeah, that was actually insanely good. You cannot deny it. So, yes, this is most definitely his best film. He's done great ones since. Great ones since? Yeah, sure, Holmes, for example. <laughs> yeah, nothing in the league of Snatch, What's sadly. The Gentleman I Loved, it's not as good as this. good. 
rock and roller people. Rock and roll. Like. I like that one. I still like that one. Yeah, I think but that was his return in, to form yeah, after doing the inferior of all of these these kind of London set gangster ones. But when he does go back to London and sets them as a gangster film, they tend yeah. to be pretty decent. And that's why that. What's the one that we just don't know if it's ever going to be released now? The oh the, yeah, Fortune. Yeah, Fortune. For, Operation Fortune. Some yep. shit. Rude de Guerre. Whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Well, that's off the cards now, mate. I reckon that's another bag of dicks because he's just gone... It's stunning, though, that it would go from April release to just nowhere. That, no one knows. Yet they release stuff like See How They Run. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Check out our review of that coming up in a few days. If that didn't give it all away. You know, right same one there. thing about Guy Ritchie, right? So he goes and does these Disney shows like Aladdin and this and that. And he just makes so much money for the studio that it's like, if you let me make this one... I'm not sure I'm gonna Guy make- Ritchie made money for Aladdin. I think Aladdin made money for Aladdin. I think anyone would have directed that film, would have been, it would have been a hit. Uh, this is the thing, though. For the guy who directs Statch to actually go and do Aladdin. Yeah, he's got some range. He's got sure. range as a motherfucker, man. So I think that's also his downfall, and that's why he does shit like fucking Wrath of Wrath Man. Of man. <laughs> but there you are. Don't, hate, don't get your hatred for that film. It's such a piece of shit. It's, it's just fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number two, here's where I had The Kingsman, The Secret Service. Ah, very high. Fair enough. My number two is The Prestige, everyone. Of course. That's got to be the one, right? Okay, okay, good. Uh, Paul didn't quite get that one. On my honorable mentions, you'll be happy. Yes, to there you are. Okay, the prestige is a science. And that was literally one I left off. Going, there's no need. Exactly, there's no need. Just like me and what I assume will be your number one. You're, you're, you're correct. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> science fantasy psychological thriller. It's got Hugh Jackman. It's got huge uh, Ackman, and uh, of course uh, Batman in it. And um, <laughs> it follows like Robert Angier and Alfred Borden, their rival stage magicians in London at the end of the 19th century. They're obsessed with creating the best illusion. And they engage in this competitive rivalry, which has some very tragic, horrible results. Is Rachel McAdams in this one? Can't remember. No. <laughs> it's Piper Parabo. <laughs> also very cute. Also quite cute, yes. Now, I probably... Well, look, we're going to get to the best movies of all time. But this, th- this might be up there. I'm not <gasps> sure. I'm not sure if it's in there or not. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Okay. Big call here on yeah, episode yeah, yeah, 392 go. of yeah, the show. Yeah. Is it 392 or 393? This is in your top 10 films of all. This is better than. Is this better it than Christopher might, Nolan? It, I don't know is yet. It's better than every other Christopher Nolan film. Every other one. <sighs> I don't know, Paul. All right? I spot. don't know. I don't know. It's probably not the best the Christopher Nolan film. But it might. Yeah. That's not the question. Is, it, is it the is best movies or is it your favorite movies? It's definitely my favorite over the best. How's that? So, shut up, cunt lips. Four. So. <laughs> What? No. <laughs> uh, now, interestingly enough, folks, Sam Mendes wanted to do this film as his follow-up to American Beauty. Oh, wow. And another offer came from New Market Films on, 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 on behalf of Christopher Nolan, who, and basically they gave him the gig. And look, because it turned out like this, good call, okay? This movie has layers and layers of it like that go deeper and deeper. For example, the four lead characters, their initials spell Abra. Like Abracadabra, right? <laughs> Just shit like that that he throws in there. Who the fuck worked that out? Hey, what is it? Alfred Borden, Robert Angier. They're the first. I'm just saying, like, it's Christian Nolan puts shit like this everywhere, and that's why it became more than it was. But the, the idea, David Bowie's in this. He's playing Tesla, and it's the coolest fucking role ever, man. And the, the idea that they're putting Tesla in this and making it, oh, it's like almost science fantasy now, because, like, that's how he makes. Uh, okay. That's the shit. Anyway. I don't love it that much, that's, that's for sure. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> All right, number two for Wayne, The Prestige, which means it's time for me to go back through my ten through two and reveal my number one, of course, in an English shit-ass accent. Oh, God. My number ten is 28 Days Later, eh? Brace yourself, people. This will not be not pleasant. an American werewolf in fucking London. <laughs> so you're actually going around the, the, no, the boroughs. Well done. Uh, 
<laughs> of eight. I don't know how to say attack the block in, in English. Go, go Oxford. Go, go posh. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know how to yeah, do posh. Yeah, you see, that's very hard. How do you posh? I guess you just talk through your nose. I say can, eh? Attack the block. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's not do that. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I don't know what Soho accent is, so uh, the, my number seven is last night in Soho. That's actually London, so fair enough. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Five lock stock and two fucking smoking barrels. <laughs> okay. Number four, layer cake. Could be any fucking accent, that one. <laughs> Conjuring 2. Also could be anything. <laughs> Number three, Michael Caine. Snatch. No. <laughs> Snatch. Now, You'd see it... his face when he did that. You'd be there with me, people. Like, <laughs> Number two, Kingsman. Kingsman. Colin. <laughs> Secret Service. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that guy's from. <laughs> Number one, Sean of the Fucking Dead. There you go. There we are. Shaun of the Dead is the greatest film set in London. Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. What did you think I was going to have? You were going to do motherfucking um, Children of Men. Not enough in London. Surely, Yana. They disappear from London too early. Wow. Okay. There's literally 25, 30 minutes of that. And it's also in the future and it's dystopian future. It's not really the London that we know. So... Well, you might argue that a a period piece isn't either, but yes, I know what you mean. That's why I ruled it out. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, yeah. Some people got on the list. Fine, that's, that's okay. We didn't set parameters up for anybody else. I just for mine. I'm surprised, mate. Well, Although I mean, now that I think about it, of course, Sean it's Dead. I just assumed you would think it was Sean of the Dead, and you would be quite correct. Sean of the Dead. Sean of the Dead is one of the greatest fucking films ever made. It is as whip smart and as clever as I think any film made this millennium, because it has so many homages and so many meta commentaries and so many of those details you're talking about with Christopher Nolan, the only a horror film fan and a zombie film fan would pick up. True, this is for you and people like you. And then on top of that, it's got a script which every single beat in this film I think hits. I don't think there's a wasted joke in this movie. Some of them are funnier than others, absolutely. But everything they set up pays off either funnily or cleverly in terms of the plot later in the film. Every single thing. I think what got me with this film was the with, with him opening and he's talking with a girl about, you know, whatever, and it turns out the person they're talking about is right there yep. at the table, right? And Great of course, grand. Paul, I'll let you do number five. Then Nick Frost comes in and says, <laughs> Would any of you cunts <laughs> like a drink? Yes. Now that is pure class because you don't expect, first of all, not unlike this show, you don't expect the sea bomb. <laughs> you don't expect a sea bomb so early in proceedings and it really hits you in the face. So yeah. it's like, okay, and they're talking about what an asshole he is. Yep. So of course he's then calling him sea bombs. Yep. Hilarious. All right. So that's all class. Sean. What? Sean. <laughs> the <laughs> mom, Bill Nye again as the oh, yeah, stepfather in this film. Nick Frost and Sean Peck. This, this Simon, Simon Peck, sorry. <laughs> Sean himself. Those two, they're back and forth. Every, I said, every gag just sort of pays off. And then on top of all of that, there's a couple of awesome kills. Dylan Moran as the asshole guy who's chasing after Sean's girlfriend. I forgot about Dylan Moran. He's so good in this movie too. And then Lucy from The Office. So Yeah, yeah. No, she, I, I, I really dug her in this movie. I was like, damn, she's like cute as fuck. Yep. Yeah. I think we all agreed she was cuter than, than Sean's girlfriend. Yeah, than the so. clean. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. All right. No, fair enough. Um, Yes, very you. Very you. Uh, big Love this movie, and it's more suburban, if I can call it that. Like more sort yeah, of, yeah. it's not in the center of London, but it's off on the outskirts. But still, it meets the brief, and I love the shit out of this movie. Do you like cornettos? <laughs> I do like cornettos. Cornettos, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Anything from the shops? Cornetto. Cornetto. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best thing when everyone was zombies. You didn't notice it because everyone's doing the same thing. Great, and that one shot down yeah. the road for for it, which they do twice. They do it when it's life is still relatively normal, and then they do it again the second time. So it's all contrasted between. Very cool. Again, everything you're like, why are we got this one shot doing this? 
pays off. Exactly. No. It's a good show. It's a good show. Love well this done. film. Well Nine done. number one, uh, London set film, Shaun of the Dead, which means Wayne's number one is... After he reveals his 10 through 2. Okay, and I won't be doing bulky oh. accents. <laughs> it's just, people are tired now, Paul. Uh, number 10, <laughs> about time. Nine, four weddings and a funeral. Eight, Sherlock Holmes. Oh, there better. we are. <laughs> uh, seven, Kingsman, The Secret Service. Six, About a Boy. Will I help if I do this? Go ahead. No. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Five, <laughs> a fish called Wanda. No, turn it off, cut lips. <laughs> Six. Um, <laughs> From Wayne. <laughs> number four, Last Night in Soho. Three, Snatch. Two, with The Prestige. And my number one was goddamn Layer Cake, bro. Yes, it was. It just doesn't get any better than that. Wow. Didn't know you loved it that much. Dude, Daniel Craig in this. So therefore, Layer Cake's a better film than The Prestige. No, fuck face. It doesn't what? look like that. What, what do you mean? Just, you just ranked it above it. No, it's a better London film. Okay. Ah! Oh, okay. So here you go. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, yes, Larry my number one. Honorable mentions then, Wayne. Many. To wrap it up. This is a goat for people. Rain of Fire, thought it was great. Mm, edge of Tomorrow, it. technically. Yes, I had Edge of Tomorrow, honorable mention too. Because um, again, not really London-y based in the future. Exactly. Uh, there's a film called The Bank Job with Jason Statham, mm. which is actually quite good, although you wouldn't expect it. Shakespeare in Love, I liked it when everyone else what? did it. I know, I like Shakespeare in Love, what you going to do? We all hate that movie. What? Uh, stole the, the yeah the, the from, from Saving Private Ryan. That's right. Um, and I wanted to put Austin Powers in here, Man of Mystery, mm, the first yeah, one. Didn't really think about that. Yeah, is enough of it set in London, baby? Well, look, I think at the end it's some volcano in fucking Hawaii. So is that's that all I left it Fair enough. I could be Fair wrong. Fair enough. But anyway, um, other than the ones I've already mentioned, which is the Prestige and Edge of Tomorrow, the other one I had was a 1985 horror film from Toby Hooper called Life Force. Yeah, which that? is largely set in London, but again, it's a little bit like, oh, some of it's in America and some of it's in space and some of it's over here, but most of it, it's a British film set in London. So Some horror-ass movie? Yeah, that's space vampires who start to take over the world. Ah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> How did you not know that was coming? Of course. <laughs> that's Makes our sense. list then. What about yours? Let's get into it on our Pop 10 segment before our big announcement. Do stick around and here we go. Word. Talk about. Pop 10. Talk about. This week's pop 10 with Troy Spinner, who said number three, Snatch. Yeah. Number two, 28 Days Later. And the absolute buy a mile number one, Sean of the Dead. I do look forward to your vote this week. Something Troy. of a fan. There you are. Timothy Williams said, not very, very original list, but number three, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, cunt. Number <laughs> <laughs> two, Snatch. <laughs> number one, The Bank Job. There you are, Wayne. Ah. Actually, one of my all-time favorites holds a special place in my heart. It's a really good movie. I saw this with a loved one no longer with us. A great memory. Awesome. Our condolences, Timothy. I'm glad that's something that you get to share in that. David Powell, the aforementioned, he had like 93 honorable mentions and a top five. So I'm only going to read your top three, David. We've had this chat before. <laughs> number three, Paddington 2. I still haven't seen it. I got to get it. Everyone's talking about it. Last Night in Soho at his number two. And number one, an American werewolf in London. Yeah, you are. Grant Lanham of the Milk Podcast said, we'll try to avoid the obvious like Lay, Kate, Guy Ritchie, etc. 28 Days Later, Notting Hill, and with nail and eye. Ah, yes. <laughs> no, it's a popular one among the Londonites. Um, my ex has lived in London for 15 years, and she says it's one of her favorites. You and I, we got, so we got to it too late. That's Not what it is. so That's much. Damie Davies, about a boy at number three. There you are, Wayne. Paddington two, number two, and number one, children of men. Nice. Luke Alexander, I'll go with a few randoms. 800, London has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> number two, yesterday. And number one, Kingsman. Secret Yesterday service. was a good-ass film. I know you didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, it wasn't like my favourite, I have to be yeah. honest. Smiles Samani, mentioned at the top of the show. This was hard. How about some musicals? No, how about fucking not? Three, Mary Poppins. Two, My Fair Lady. And number one, <laughs> Quadrophenia, which I'd never even fucking heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Aiden Parker picking someone I haven't seen listed yet. Number one, The Gentleman. Number two, Last Night in Soho. And fuck it, I'll say it. Number three, Sherlock Holmes. What up, dog? Is great. Everyone else is too afraid to admit it. That's right. Word to Big Bird. Nice one, my friend. Thought you liked that one. Joy DeCarlo from the So Is a Podcast. Great show, do Check them out. So number three, An American Werewolf in London. Number two, 28 Days Later. Number one, Attack the Block. Mm. David Lowe said, number three, Skyfall. Yeah. I just don't think enough of the film was set a in lot, London. A lot, more than 50 years, because even like yeah. the train scene, that's all London. There, there's some of it's in London, but there's a lot of around the world. It ends in Scotland. And then it, it ends, ends in Scotland. Scotland so yeah. that's why it didn't make my list, otherwise, absolutely in the running. Totally. Number two, The Elephant Man. Yep. Great pick. And number one, Notting Hill. Don't judge. Ah. The one foppish Hugh Grant, Richard Curtis film. You don't have on your list. Yeah. That one, what was good, though? It was good. Last couple, then, to wrap it up. Let's hear from some of the ladies of the group. Laurie Miller at number three, 28 Days Later. Chitty little, they move out of London early in the film, but those opening scenes with Empty Streets are incredible. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Laurie, number two, Skyfall. Number three, Sean of the Dead. Nice. And then to wrap it up this week, Kia Crow. Number three, Snatch. Yes. Number two, Sherlock Holmes. Boom. Number one, Skyfall. Man, I'm a fan of hers. There we go. Thank you so much to everyone who got back to us. I'm sorry I couldn't get through it all. A lot of feedback on this week's topic, as you can imagine, when we're talking about films set in London. Set in London. All right, Wayne. Then, so before, or do we give, no, before we tell you how to get back in touch with us and do all those things, mm. it's time for a chat. Right. It's time for an announcement. We've been doing this show for... Nigh on seven and a piece years. Seven and a half, coming up on eight in March. Eight years in March would be that marker. Which has brought us to the in the top one percent of podcasts in the yeah. Planet. It's a very long one percent. Let me be really really clear. Stop doing that, Paul. It's the top one percent. <laughs> According to listen notes, yes, we we up until recently, at least I haven't checked in the last few weeks, were ranked in the top one percent of podcasts in terms of busyness and downloads and whatever in the world. It's been great. It's been a hell of a ride. But it's time for a change. Yes. Um, I think is where we're coming at yeah. this from. We don't want you to be bored and we don't want us to be bored. Yes. Because talking movies for eight years almost, uh, you can get that Occasionally way. TV. <laughs> and occasionally TV. <laughs> so, please, Paul, tell so us. So, the countdown, colon, movie and TV reviews is no more. Will be no more. As of episode 401. Episode 400 in the current format will be the final of the way movie that we're doing. Movie and TV reviews. We're not ending. However, we're not ending. So if there was anyone out there thinking, oh my God, oh, that's an hour I have to find back in my week. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. We've got you covered still. Exactly. It'll still just be the countdown podcast. Yes, it's just going to be the countdown colon the podcast. Oh, no, Wayne, Wayne won't let me have the countdown <laughs> colon in there. So it's just going to be called the countdown podcast. And we are broadening the subject matter subject matter to anything we want to count. That's right. It so, could be anything. It could be anything. It could be... Well, for example, one of the topics we've banded around today as an early show will be the five worst dates we've been on. Absolutely. We will debase ourselves for your enjoyment. Exactly. You hear about all the nasty shit that went everyone's down. had a bad date for whatever reason. Everyone. Exactly. Like Indiana Jones had almost had a bad date, but Salah saved him. Well done. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. See, and that's, that's a deep cut joke. It is a deep cut joke, and it should bring us to the point that it doesn't mean movies are completely no. out of the question. We'll do movie-related stuff. We'll, we'll do pop-culture-related stuff. We're still going to do top ten last tens. Yeah. Like, that will still happen. We're still going to be bringing in sort of our reviews. The review part of the show, for those who listen to our reviews when they've seen the film, that will continue for the time being. We'll review that as we go. Yeah, we like movies still, so we'll still yeah. review movies. Yeah. We're still going to do that as a separate sort of bonus episode per week. Those ones never do as well as the main show. That's okay. That's fine. We don't expect them to. But yeah, so music, books, comics, that's all the pop culture stuff. But events 
uh, history, life things, our, our things to do with our lives, to sort of reveal anything a bit that more makes you basically entertained of laugh or whatever, you know, which we can all relate to. Like no one really wants to hear about number of times Wayne decided to go for the ass and didn't quite work <laughs> out. Or the amount of times Paul did, which is zero. <laughs> You're a very short show. Yeah, uh, if you think it was fast and loose before, people, you know it's, what I'm saying? It's about to get worse. So yeah. we hope you'll stay for the banter. We hope you'll stay for the back and forth. We don't want to lose anyone, but we understand if you're only here for the movie part, well, okay, maybe you won't listen to as many episodes. That's all right. We, we, we get it. But it was time for the show to evolve. Maybe this will be a short-lived experiment, and then the show will come to an end. But it could just keep continuing the way it was, because after 392 episodes, we were running out of things to talk about that we weren't talking about already. Yeah, and then for like loyal listeners who've been with us since the beginning, it's yep. like it's like they or even like, in the last two hundred episodes, like yeah. whoa, how many times can Paul talk about Shaun of the Dead? Exactly. How many times can Wayne talk about the Prestige? <laughs> like, that's why we left him in there today because well, the number of times is shrinking. You may yeah. never hear about him again. You, you, we may not be on the topics we'll that we do. Fine with that. So there. So there's gonna be some doozies between now and episode four hundred. Some big, big topics and very broad ones to kind of go out if we can put it this way on a high. So totes stick around for that action and look we're always happy to hear your feedback i think the, the course is now set mm. i know not everyone will be happy with this and we understand that maybe i was a little bit disappointing to some but we hope you understand that after this length of time for the show to continue for us to, it has to, to evolve a bit it's got it's got to do a little bit of that action it's uh you know i make this joke somewhere along the line not that far long ago but Radio Head used to be one of my favorite bands of all time. They got bored and evolved their sound, and I fucking fell off. That's okay. I, it, it can happen. I, I hate their new album with a passion. I hate the Danny Warhol's new album with a passion. But Where geez, the hell they, are? they remain <laughs> two of my favorite bands of all time because, generally speaking, they still hold that place in my heart with their early work. And you might say that about us, but we hope you won't be quite that way. You hope you'll be open minded enough to check it out and uh, stay the course with us. Most deaf. Anything else you want to add to that one? Nah, just um, expect us to still try as hard as we always have to entertain you. Oh yeah, for sure. And keep you amused and have you laugh at, let's face it, me. Uh, (laughs) Or the, you know, and and just... I'm sure I've been as embarrassing. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Um, I'm just the coarse one. Uh, So yes, uh, please stay stay along. Five to two today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, but for the next eight episodes, we're still talking about movies, everyone. So please. And TV. TV. There was definitely at least one TV show. In in fact, next week's show, Wayne, while we're here, the top 10 TV opening credits. There you go. So not just the music that that factors in because we've done that before. The actual credits that you like, the visuals. The visuals plus the sound, how well it all amounts to. So, that's episode 393, the top 10 TV show credits. That's right. And we're going to go from there. There's some big topics to round out through to episode 400. Episode 401 will be the new format. That's right. All right, Wayne, how do the listeners get in touch with us? Let us know their thoughts on this or indeed anything else more generally countdown. Google the Countdown Podcast, search and, and find all our socials and get to us or email, email us. No, fuck. Email us <laughs> at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com. And there was no edit point there. So See? It's all that's right. In. No, that's fine. This is how he gets to you, people. <laughs> You can check out the... Did you say the website? I did not. Thecountdownpodcast.com for links to just about everything that you need to know about the show. Follow us on Podbean where we host and the Countdown PC on Twitter is also a place you can get at us. And that is it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 392. The, wait, ninth last in the current format. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep. Whichever. Nine. That sounds about right. Yep. Eighth. Yep. Ninth last in the current format. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard. Oh fuck! We're not getting we're getting rid of that, are we? Getting rid of the soundboard, right? Because that's a piece of shit. There's so wait, what, what you want is <laughs> bitches leave. But yeah. what I'm thinking is. <laughs>
You're killing me, Smalls. I want Soundboard stay. I'll tell you what. We'll put a fucking poll up again. No, fuck you. Episode Everyone hates me, so they'll just say yes and it won't prove a damn thing. We will put it up there. And we're going to put it up in the Facebook community. You've got to vote. You've got to get in there to vote. All right? If Wayne has, if it's 51.6. You know how this is going to go. This is a stupid. I will end the soundboard. Good. Or I'll end it by pissing on his iPad. (laughs) (laughs) See? If you love the soundboard and how Wayne gets so pissed off at it, then vote yes. No, and the soundboard will stay. Fuck it. There we are. That's it for us. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya.